0: Dear Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us the opportunity to be among the living today. We consider it a privilege which we know we don't have this opportunity because of our goodness or righteousness, but it's your love and mercy that has granted it to us. Lord in heaven, as we are going through our journey to the Canaan land, we have our battles to fight, we have victories to win, we have a heaven to win and a hell to shun. On a daily basis, we face our temptations, and we always need strength from you that will put us in a better position to overcome. Therefore, Lord, as we go through our devotion today, we pray, Father, that you shall kindle the fire of spirituality in us, that the fire may keep burning, and that we may learn something that will add to the strength which we already have, and that you will supply to us the grace through these words that will transform our lives into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, put your your words in my mouth and grant us of your spirit to put into practice all that we will learn. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, June eleven a mismatched pair Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman that feareth the lord she shall be praised Proverbs chapter 31 verse 30 In the character of Abigail the wife of Nabal we have an illustration of womanhood after the order of Christ while her husband illustrates what a man may become who yields himself to the control of Satan. When David was a fugitive from the face of Saul, he had camped near the possessions of Nabal and had protected the flocks and the shepherds of this man. In a time of need, David sent messengers to Nabal with a a courteous message, asking for food for himself and his men. And Nabal answered with insolence, returning evil for good and refusing to share his abundance with his neighbors. No message could have been more respectful than that which David sent to this man. But Nabal accused David and his men falsely in order to justify himself in his selfishness and represented David and his followers as runaway slaves. When the messenger returned with this insolent taunt, David's indignation was aroused and he determined to have speedy revenge. One of the young men in the employ of Nabal, fearing that evil results would follow Nabal's insolence, came and stated the case to Nabal's wife, knowing that she had a different spirit from her husband and was a woman of great discretion. Abigail saw that something must be done to avert the result of Nabal's fault and that she must take the responsibility of acting immediately without the counsel of her husband. She knew that it would be useless to speak to him, for he would only receive her proposition with abuse and contempt. He would remind her that he was the lord of the household, that she was his wife, and therefore in subjection to him, and must do as he should dictate. Without his consent, she gathered together such stores as she thought best to conciliate the wrath of David, for she knew he was determined to avenge himself for the insult he had received. Abigail's course in this matter was one that God approved and the circumstance revealed in her a noble spirit and character. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Mismatched Pair. And we are looking at a life that was beautiful to behold. That is the life of Abigail. Of course, her husband Nabal, not so uh, beautiful to behold. In the book of First Samuel, twenty-five, we read about David camping near this man Nabal's shepherds and their flocks. David sent some of his men to request politely from Nabal that he helps them with some food, seeing that they are the ones that were protecting his flock, and it was a very courteous request he made. But Nabal, being selfish, tried to paint the picture in a very different light, making it look like David had no right to request for anything from himself and making it look as if he didn't benefit from David's gesture of goodness while he protected the shepherds of Nabal and the sheep. It says in 1 Samuel 25 verse 6, that David said to them say to my brother may all be well for you peace be to you and your house and all you have I have had word that you have wool caught now the keepers of your sheep have been with us and we have done them no evil and taking nothing of theirs while they were at Carmel ask thy young men and they will show thee wherefore let the young men find favor in your eyes for we come in a good day Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thy hand unto thy servants and to thy son, David. Do you hear that request? Very, very polite. David had to even call himself a son, a servant to Nabal. And he begged, he said, give, I pray thee, if I have found favor in your eyes. He actually literally begged Nabal, just please give me whatever it is. He didn't request for any stipulated amount of things he just said whatever it is because I hear that you are doing your wool cutting in other words there was some harvesting going on with respect to the animal husbandry and David said I heard that that is going on please let us just partake of the benefits that comes from there we are your servants we are your son please give to us it says in verse 9 and when David's young men came they speak to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and ceased. and Nabal answered David's servant and said "Who?" is david and who is the son of jesse there be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master shall i then take my bread and my water and my flesh that i have killed for my sharers and give it unto men whom i know not whence they be so david's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those things and david said unto his men ye on every man his sword And they girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about four hundred men, and two hundred abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us both by night and day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore no one consider what thou would do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste, and took two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine, and five sheep ready dressed, and five measures of parched corn and an hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. Amen. So here we see, like we read in our devotion, womanhood as it is in Christ, not womanhood as it is in the eyes of men. We read, in the character of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, we have an illustration of womanhood after the order of Christ, while her husband illustrates what a man may become who yields himself to the control of Satan. So, we are going to look at womanhood after the order of Christ as, as opposed to the different ideas of what womanhood should be. In the world, they see womanhood as someone who is supposed to be completely under the control of her husband of course not everybody sees it that way but there are many men who feel and even women too who feel that it is their duty to submit to their husbands and whatever it is they say you must do well and there are those who take it to the other extreme who feel like they must fight and always show their equality with the man in such a way that they are rebellious and disobedient but let us look at what the bible teaches was it wrong what Abigail did? Was it right what Abigail did? The Bible tells us that this woman was a very wise woman. That's what she's described as. She is described as a woman that is sensible, reasonable and filled with wisdom. She feared God, and her act that she did here shows us the, the rights of a woman who is a wife to a man. In the book of Ephesians 5 verse 22 to 24 we are told. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. It is commonly the case that people would say, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, and they stop there. But that's not the truth. That is just a partial disclosure of what the Bible says. The full disclosure says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. What does it mean as unto the Lord? It simply means, Submit to your husbands a with rest just as if you are submitting to Jesus Christ. In other words, submit to him as far as what he is telling you is not contradictory to the word of God. You may have your opinion, you may have your own will and way, but if the husband says something that you can see clearly that doesn't contradict God's word, then wives submit unto your husbands. Going on it says, For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore as the church is subject unto unto Christ so let the wives be to their husbands in every thing. Therefore the husband needs to be like Christ if the wife must submit in everything because if he is not like Christ she cannot submit in everything. When Nabal behaved like a man who is not like Christ, there was no need for Abigail to submit to that man who was manifesting a character that was not in harmony to that of Christ. Why is it that Achan and his family were stoned to death? It is because, let me just say his wife first of all, why was she part of those stoned? She was submitting to a husband who was not like Christ. Let us learn this first lesson today. Wives are not supposed to submit to their husbands when their husbands are not in harmony with the word of God. I have been on excursion to prisons before. And on that excursion, going to the female ward, there were a few of them there, not as much as the men. And we were clearly told, and I cannot forget what we were told. The women's side seemed so sane and alright. Some of them even had babies and they were into uh, tailoring and doing so many other handworking there. And we were told clearly that many of the women, almost all the women that we find here, are only here because they are accomplices to their husband's crime. Many women after getting married... They feel that whatever their husbands are, they must be and that they must support everything their husband does. I have heard stories, even people who are friends, who have lost their own identity because of marriage. I'm talking of women now who lose their identity because of marriage. What they would not do before they got married, they find themselves engaged in because maybe they are married to a selfish man. Or a man who is involved in deception, they join him as their as their sidekick. A woman who doesn't even know how to steal or how to deceive or how to defraud. Her husband suggests to her things of his own business that he's doing and makes her feel that she must support him in the work. And she, losing her own identity, feels that my husband is saying something and he's begging me for money to do this or that. And she knows that thing is wrong. But yet She joins him in doing it. Women must be careful to have their own identity even while they are married. And that identity is in Christ. Women, you have your Bibles and Jesus is your Lord and Master. A husband that is not submissive to Jesus is not the one that you are to submit yourself to. When the husband requires something from the wife that the Word of God condemns. Women must stand in their own individuality and refuse to do that thing. The woman, Queen Vashti, the wife of the man called Ahasuerus, the king of the medicine Persians, is a very good example of what womanhood, true womanhood in Christ is. When her husband called her to parade herself as a thing to be looked upon in a lustful way, she decidedly refused to do that. And she, her name stands as one who is a good example of what a woman should be. Now back to Abigail. In Abigail's case, she saw that her husband was making a wrong decision. Woman has a mind to know good and wrong decisions based on the word of God. It was clear that David's men had done good. The men themselves testified to this. It was them who came to tell Abigail, this your husband is a son of Belial." when these men were with us david and his men they protected us we did not lose even one thing and we just heard him now rail at those men even here her own servants could see that there was some injustice done here what would abigail do she it was clear that this was a wrong decision and knowing her husband he couldn't be reasoned with and therefore she did what she was supposed to do what womanhood under christ is supposed to do she decided to save her family by doing something about it by correcting the wrong of her husband even without his consent behind his back he didn't know there are men who read this story and feel like this is challenging my authority what authority do you have that is not in line with the one given to you by christ that authority is not to be exercised for it is not of God, and if it is not of God, it is inspired by none other than the devil. And you should not exercise that authority that the word of God does not give to you. An authority to do wrong, and to cause your wife to join you in doing wrong, or to cause your children to join you in doing wrong. No, that is not what it ought to be. And every woman should understand that they are to courteously, politely, yet firmly refuse to do anything that the husbands say they should do that is not in harmony with the word of God. Speaking of the individuality of a woman who is married, there are some situations that come up in the marriage that the husband needs to understand that he is to give his wife her rights and the woman also needs to understand what her rights are and it shouldn't be exercised in a rebellious manner but in a godly, modest, kind, polite manner. One of the situations that will come up for a woman is when she wants to serve the Lord. When she needs to attend some programs that her attention is needed and will bless her spiritually, but maybe the husband is not available, what should she do? There's some cases where the husband stops her from going because there's a duty, her first duty to do in the home. That is not yet taken care of she needs to listen but not in all cases reading from testimonies on sexual behavior page 27 it says i was shown then his daughter-in-law this is speaking about a certain man anyway um, it says she is beloved of god but held in servile bondage fearing trembling desponding doubting and very nervous this sister should not feel that she must yield her will to a godless youth who has less years upon his head than herself. She should remember that her marriage does not destroy her individuality. God has claims upon her higher than any earthly claim. Christ has bought her with his own blood. She is not her own. She fails to put her entire trust in God and submits to yield her convictions, her conscience, to an overbearing, tyrannical man fired up, by satan whenever his satanic majesty can work effectually through him to intimidate this trembling shrinking soul she has so many times been thrown into agitation that her nervous system is shattered and she is merely a wreck is it the will of the lord that this sister should be in this state and god be robbed of her service no her marriage was a deception of the devil yet Now, she should make the best of it. Treat her husband with tenderness. Remember Abigail? This, what, just pause now. What I just read now is a description of Nabal, a man who is fired up. And there are some men who are like that today, who would want to withhold or stop their wife from doing certain things they need to do, especially when it has to do with giving service to God. So what does a woman do? Does she submit to such a person? He says, no, her marriage was a deception of the devil yet take note it doesn't say she should run away from the man now she should make the best of it treat her husband with tenderness and make him as happy as she can without violating her conscience for if he remains in his rebellion the world is all the heaven he will have but to deprive herself of the privilege of meetings to gratify an overbearing husband possessing the spirit of the dragon is not according to God's will. He wants this trembling soul to flee to him. He will be a covert to her. He will be like the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Only have faith, trust in God, and he will strengthen and bless. End of quote. So, here is described for us what woman under uh, a wife who is obeying her husband as in the Lord should behave. This doesn't mean now that the woman is to disrespect the husband. Like I said, we'll talk about that in subsequent devotions. Another situation the woman will find herself in in the home is with respect to the finances. What does she do? Does she have a right to it? Does the husband have all the rights to her own money? Now, that is one thing that is very important that we settle. What does the word of God say about this? I'm reading again, page 29, still, in Testimonies on Sexual Behavior. It says, Your course since your marriage, this talking to the man, the husband of a wife, who was trying to stop his wife from having her own finances. It says, Your course since your marriage in taking possession of and controlling the means of her whom you had made your wife shows your motives to be wrong. All these things are against you and show on your part very deep selfishness and a dictatorial spirit which God would not have her to submit to. Her marriage does not make null and void her stewardship. It does not destroy her identity. Her individuality should be preserved if she would glorify God with her body and spirit which are His. Her individuality cannot be submerged in you. She has duties she owes to God which you have no right to interfere with. God has claims upon her which you cannot meet. In the providence of God, she has become his steward. And this she should refuse to yield to you or any other one. You have not wisdom more exact and perfect than hers which should lead which should lead her to give to you the stewardship of her means. She has developed a far better character than yourself and has a better balanced mind than yourself. She can manage these means in her hands more wisely, more judiciously, and more to the glory of God than yourself. You are a man of extremes, you move by impulse and are most of the time more direct directly under the control of evil angels than the angels of God end of course so this is this doesn't mean that every woman has this situation The man being referred to here had a wife who was uh, like she said even wiser than him so basic information here the basic um lesson that we're getting from here is the earnings of a woman is not to be given to her husband unless she chooses to it's her choice it's not something that she must be compelled to do and the returning of her like it says here her tithes her offerings it is to be done by herself as she wants to and not necessarily how the husband wants her to do it unless she submits willingly but not that it is an obligation for her to give it over to her husband that's stewardship now that's what we read about her stewardship which is her offerings her tithes and generally her money because it's not just offerings and tithes, her money in general, she can dictate how she wants to use it in what she considers to be the wisest way. Of course, that doesn't mean she shouldn't listen to the advice of her husband but whatever the husband says shouldn't be looked at as law as if whatever he says concerning her money that's the way she must use it. She should receive counsel but then she has the final say with respect to her own money. Another situation though. Uh, not so rare but it happens very frequently these days is a woman who is getting married to a man but already has children what does she do there are some cases where the man would want the child not to come into this new family and want to uh, he would want to separate the woman from her child and some women submit to this and it's not good the bond between mother and child should not be broken just because of a new marriage reading testimonies on sexual behavior page 30 now it says I dare not do otherwise than speak to you plainly. The case demands it. How is the marriage of Sister Drake to you improving her condition? Not a whit. But your course is making her life a bitterness, her lot almost unbearable. I knew how it would be as soon as I heard of your marriage. She thought she was to have one to help her take care of her boy, but you would tear the mother from her son and require her to yield her parental care and affection for her son to you, who have only your marriage to plead why this should be so. You have done nothing to earn this great sacrifice. You have not pursued a course to even gain her confidence, yet you demand this great sacrifice, the separation of the mother from her son. You may plead that you understand the case, while we plead that you know but little about it. Instead of your feeling it to be your duty to be patient and affectionate and judiciously manage the case of this her son, you take a course that a heartless unfeeling tyrant will pursue. I would advise the mother to move in the fear of God and not allow a comparative stranger to come in, claiming the title of husband and separate her child from her affection and care. God has not released that mother from her responsibility because she has married you. You do not possess true love. You are not acquainted with a pure article. If you were, you would never have pursued the course you have. End of quote. So in this situation, as every other one I have read, it is not black and white as you are seeing it. Circumstances alter cases. These are just people's own situations that were easily dealt with. I know that in various situations in the home there are other nuances to it that may that one may need to consider before making decisions. But as a general rule, a woman with a child who is getting married to another man. Should not feel that her new marriage should make her to dump her child but that will that will be careless of her and unfeeling of that man too because that child is going to suffer and it is not the child who begs to be brought to this world and the woman has a responsibility to that child which the man she's getting married to should understand and welcome into his home now i just want to read a few things uh some things that would throw more light on the position of womanhood As we go through the life of Abigail, reading from Manuscript Releases, volume 21, page 213, and downward, it says, Women are to obey their husbands. So, women, we need to get that. You are to obey your husbands in the Lord, as it is fit in the Lord or as unto the Lord, which means that they are not to obey when the thing their husband requires is contrary to God's word. The Lord would have the wife render respect unto her husband but always as it is fit in the Lord. In the character of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, we have an illustration of womanhood after the order of Christ while her husband illustrates what a man may become who yields himself to the control of Satan. From this history, we can see that there are circumstances under which it is proper for a woman to act promptly and independently, moving with decision in the way she knows to be the way of the Lord. The wife is to stand by the side of the husband as his equal, sharing all the responsibilities of life, rendering due respect to him who has selected her for his lifelong companion. When the Spirit of Christ controls the husband, the wife's subjection will only result in rest and benefit, for he will require from her only that which will result in good, and in the same way that Christ requires submission from the church. The Lord Jesus does not rule his church like a taskmaster. He said to his followers, John 15, verse 15 to 17, and 12, verse 12 to 14, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He, he that loveth his wife, loveth himself. If the husband is tyrannical, exacting, critical of the actions of his wife, he cannot hold her respect and affection, and the married relation will become odious to her. She will not love her husband, because he does not try to make himself lovable. The Lord Jesus has not been correctly represented in his relation to the church by many husbands in their relation to their wives, for they do not keep the way of the Lord. They declare that their wives must be subject to them in everything. But it was not the design of God that the husband should have control as head of the house when he himself does not submit to Christ. He must be under the rule of Christ that he may represent the relation of Christ to the church. If he is a coarse, rough, boisterous, egotistical, harsh and overbearing man, let him never utter the word that the husband is the head of the wife and that she must submit to him in everything. For he is not the Lord, he is not the husband in the true significance of the term. If the wife should have the same mode of character as her husband, woe be unto the children! The whole family would be a blot upon the earth. Instead of being a house band to bind the family together into the unity that is symbolized by the unity of Christ and the church, he will break every tie of affection and the members of the family will be scattered, filled with bitterness and hatred one toward another. Let those who stand as husbands study the words of Christ, not to find out how complete must be the subjection of the wife, but how he may have the mind of Christ and become purified, refined, and fit to be the Lord of his household. All wicked passions must be overcome, and the love which Christ has exercised towards his church must be symbolized in the family circle. Husbands who are husbands indeed and in truth will do those things which make for peace. The fruit of Christian love will be seen in the courtesy, in the holy tender affection that is manifested in the home. They will comfort and encourage, sympathizing with wives and children in times of sorrow. They will seek to keep their minds peaceful, elevated and uplifted, that they may be perfect in character. How opposite from the course which Christ has marked out is the course of those who open the battlefield of Satan within their homes, provoking their wives and children to wrath by the manifestation of a narrow, contemptible, nabal-like spirit. When a man is domineering, it causes his wife to wish that she had never entered the married relation. But when married life is what it should be, it is a representation of the life in heaven okay let me stop here i'll continue the reading soon these words have shown us clearly what perhaps i've been saying earlier about the relation of husband to wife and even the children and women can also be as domineering as the men and if that is the case that's why we see we just right now woe unto the children in that home and we will see that there will be lots of fighting in that home when both of them are dictatorial and critical of one another and that's not what a marriage is supposed to be but when both people the husband and the wife represent what they ought to be the woman representing the church and the husband representing christ indeed and in truth marriage will be beautiful, it goes on to say, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, that part is very important, love your wife as your own body, we'll talk about that, he that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church, thus it is that the wife is represented in her union with her husband, nevertheless let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Uh, end of quote. so while we're talking today about the husband and the wife's duty and her rights we will talk subsequently about the reverencing of the husband in the home but not today we will discuss that hopefully tomorrow but talking about what the woman should be in the home now we've seen that she must submit to every ordinance every command given to her by her husband but only as it is in the Lord if it is not in harmony with the Lord with the word of God then she is at liberty to stand in her God-given independence and individuality to do what is right. The love of the husband now is something that we should check with respect to the submission of the wife. In Ephesians 5 verse 25 downward, we are told, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he, there's a purpose now. So, there's the model of a husband. As men, what men should do is, what was Christ to the church? That is what I am to be to my wife. So, what did Christ do? What was his purpose of having the church and taking care of it, in verse 26 it says, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh. So another area in which wives are to be careful To know what they are submitting to and not to submit to every wish of their husband is on the marriage bed. Today, the same may be said of husbands towards their wives, that his husbands are not to submit to every demand of their wife in the marriage bed. Our ideas on the sexual relations have been so warped, twisted and corrupted and perverted that we cannot be trusted to properly understand what is required in this matter. Pornography has so corrupted our ideas that today... What many marriage counsellors teach as being acceptable in the sexual relations are abominable practices. How can we know what is acceptable? James 3 verse 17 gives us a, um, a principle by which we can conduct ourselves in the marriage bed. It says, but the wisdom, I'm just using this, the wisdom that is from above, that wisdom on how to get your intimacy on the marriage bed, if it is from above, it will be first pure, then peaceable gentle and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy you see there's such a theme in the bible as inordinate love which we are told to avoid one can understand this to mean excessive sexual intercourse even when done the right way or also it can be understood to mean irregular practices in the marriage bed which never leads to the health of the of both parties remember what we read in james 3:17 The wisdom that is, the wisdom that's from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. What is the fruit of the things done on the marriage bed? If it is bringing about injuries and diseases, then that is not the wisdom that is from above. If the practices on the marriage bed is what the world even by themselves call unsafe sex, even though the world says it is unsafe, then that thing is not to be done. It is not pure. It is not peaceable, and having done this, if they, if these things are engaged in, you will find out that you cannot claim to be nourishing the wife or nourishing the husband, because this matter is not a matter of the husband to the wife. Even wives to their husband make requests of the husbands that that are not pure, that are not gentle and peaceable, that are not easy to be entreated, that will not bring about good fruits at the end of their uh, relation on the bed. Reading from councils for the church page 135 it says sexual excess will effectually destroy a law for devotional exercises will take from the brain the substance needed to nourish the system remember the bible used that word that the husband is to nourish the wife if sexual excess does not nourish the wife therefore he should not engage in it or she should not also engage in it It says that sexual excess takes from the brain the substance needed to nourish the system and will most effectively exhaust the vitality. No woman should aid her husband in this work of self-destruction. She will not do it if she is enlightened and has true love for him. The more the animal passions are indulged, the stronger do they become and the more violent will be their clamors for indulgence. Let God-fearing men and women awake to their duty many professed christians are suffering with paralysis of nerve and brain because of their intemperance in this direction end of quote woman in your independence you are not to submit to every demand of the husband and man to your independence you are not supposed to submit to the injudicious excessive demands for sex from the wife it's a two-way thing these days because it's not a man issue anymore even the women have their desire for sexual excess i'm reading from manuscript releases um, still Volume 21, page 215, paragraph 3. Husbands should be careful, attentive, constant, faithful, and compassionate. They should manifest love and sympathy. If they fulfill the words of Christ, their love will not be of a base earthly sensual character that will lead to the destruction of their own bodies and bring upon their wives debility and disease. They will not indulge in the gratification of base passions while ringing in the ears of their wives that they must be subject to the husband in everything. When the husband has the nobility of character, purity of heart, elevation of mind that every true Christian must possess, it will be made manifest in the marriage relation. If he has the mind of Christ, he will not be a destroyer of the body, but will be full of tender love, seeking to reach the highest standard in Christ. He will seek to keep his wife in health and courage. He will strive to speak words of comfort, to create an atmosphere of peace in the home circle." End of quote. It is Jesus who said, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Love yourself. A man cannot love himself while doing things to his own body that harms his body. Neither can he love his wife while doing things to her body that harms her body. Today, the world has what they call safe and unsafe sex practices. If the world calls some practices unsafe, it does not become the church to be even more worldly than the world. But sadly, the professed Christians go further than the world in iniquity. It is unsafe to do anything in the sexual relations that is contrary to God's plan. And both husband and wife are under obligation to God to refuse any such demands made from their spouses. We read in the book of Ephesians 25 the instruction to husband is this, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That is, be protective of your wife that he might sanctify and cleanse it. The wife is not a tool for gratifying every sexual passion when you know that in doing that she's going to be harming herself or she's going to be reduced in dignity to something even less than an animal. Written that he might sanctify and cleanse it. That he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the Church. So the husband is supposed to cleanse and sanctify his wife, not to corrupt the body of the wife. So also with the wife. She is not to corrupt the body of the husband by giving him diseases. And some people think that diseases just come from sleeping around. No, sexual excess itself can bring about these diseases. Counsels for the Church page 134 paragraph 5 says, It is not pure love which actuates a man to make his wife an instrument to minister to his lust. It is the animal passions which clamor for indulgence. How few men show their love in the manner specified by the apostle even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might not pollute it but sanctify and cleanse it, that it should be holy and without blemish. This is the quality of love in the marriage relation which God recognizes as holy. Love is a pure and holy principle, but lustful passion will not admit of restraint and will not be dictated to or controlled by reason it is blind to consequences, it will not reason from cause to effect. Satan seeks to lower the standard of purity and to weaken the self-control of those who enter the marriage relation, but he knows that while the baser passions are in their ascendancy, the moral powers grow steadily weaker and he need have no concern as to their spiritual growth. He knows too that in no way can he better stamp his own hateful image upon their offspring and that he can thus mould their character even more readily than he can the character of the parents. End of quote. So you see here that even this thing affects the children. So, wife is not to think that they must submit to every unreasonable demand of the husband. Reading from which, page one thirty-five, paragraph six, it says, "No man can truly love his wife when she will patiently submit to become his slave and minister to his depraved passions." In her passive submission, she loses the value she once possessed in his eyes. He sees her dragged down from everything elevating to a low level, and soon he suspects that she will as tamely submit to be degraded by another as by himself. He doubts her constancy and purity, tires of her, and seeks new objects to arouse and intensify his hellish passions. The law of God is not regarded. These men are worse than brutes. They are demons, and I would say women too, who, who do this because no men alone who do it these days. They are demons in human form. They are unacquainted with the elevating and nobling principles of true sanctified love. The, whole, the wife also becomes jealous of the husband and suspects that if opportunity, sh- opportunity should offer, he would just as readily pay his addresses to another as to her. She sees that he is not controlled by conscience or the fear of God. All these sanctified barriers are broken down by lustful passions all that is godlike in the husband is made the servant of low brutish lusts end of quote so here we see the consequences of submitting to every unreasonable demand in in the marriage but what is supposed to happen or what will be the consequences of this it is distrust i know some couples who do not trust themselves and i look at them and wonder There are some actually, who the reason why they can't trust themselves is because of what they do on their marriage bed. When they see how far they can go, they feel like if I leave this woman and just travel for one week, I don't think she will stay without sex because I know what her insatiable desires are like. And the wife also feels the same way of the husband. When they are true, the woman will feel, wow, look at the kind of things we just did now. If I leave this husband outside, she will start. The moment she sees him talking to another woman and maybe the phone calls or he's traveling, there's the suspicion. But where is the suspicion coming from? From what we just read now, it is by giving in to demands in the marriage bed that even they both know that they have gone too far. And it brings about jealousy, mistrust of each other, and they see that we are losing control. And because of that, they don't trust each other anymore. So, how can we help? In the marriage the woman like we have been saying is not to submit to all these demands it is the role of the woman to soften the passions of the husband but today there are some women who themselves are the ones that are passionate that's how the world has become women themselves are, have, have seen people who they, are, they couldn't marry certain women i know someone at least who couldn't marry a certain woman because the woman said look i want it rough The demands that she was even making before the man married her, the man said, I cannot do it, and he couldn't go on in the marriage. But what is it that is doing this? It is pornography. It is pornography, there's nothing more. And if it is not pornography, well, when somebody has not had sex before marriage, how can they have these insatiable desires? If you have not been watching pornography, how? Satan is educating people through pornography and also by experience. If the law of God was being kept, these things will not be like this marriage and the intimacy in marriage will be kept pure and holy so reading from um, councils for the church in conclusion page 136 paragraph 3 the matter now to be settled is shall the wife feel bound to yield implicitly to the demands of her husband when she sees that nothing but base passions control him just like vashti and her husband and when her reason and judgment are convinced that she does it, that she does it to the injury of her body. And by the way, to be specific, what is it that does this to the injury of the woman's body? There are many things that does it. Whether it is the anal sex or other rough practices in marriage, it injures. People bleed in these things. She does it to the injury of her body which God has enjoined upon her to possess in sanctification and honor to preserve as a living sacrifice to God. It is not pure holy love which leads the wife to gratify the animal propensities of her husband at the expense of health and life. If she possesses true love and wisdom, she will seek to divert his mind from the gratification of lustful passions to high and spiritual themes by dwelling upon interesting spiritual subjects. It may be necessary to humbly and affectionately urge, even at the risk of his displeasure, that she cannot disbase, debase her body by yielding to, to sexual excess. She should, in a tender, kind manner, take note, women shouldn't be in a disrespectful manner but in a tender, kind manner, remind him that God has the first and highest claim upon her entire being and that she cannot disregard this claim for she will be held accountable in the great day of God. End of quote. I'd like to emphasize, in a kind and tender manner. This is no excuse for the woman to disrespect her husband just because he makes some demands that maybe because you know now that he doesn't know but you know that these things are not in harmony with the word of God. Politely, calmly and tenderly explain not to be disrespectful or treat him like somebody who is an animal or talk to him in a way that is derogatory because he made a demand that you think is just beneath you. Still be humble and kind and reverence him and respect him even though you feel that the demands made are not in harmony with God's word, still be respectful about it and kind about it. Understand that he is passing through something that you need to help him as a wife by leading him to spiritual things. What we have learned by looking at the life of Abigail is the independence and also the individuality of woman who is in marriage. She is, as the Bible says, to obey her husband as it is fit in the Lord. And there was something to be read to explain that very clearly. We read it in Manuscript Releases, Volume 21, page 213. It says there, the Lord will have the wife render respect unto her husband, but only as it is fit in the Lord women are to obey their husbands but only as they speak in the Lord which means that they are not to obey when the thing their husband requires is contrary to God's word. This is what we have for today and I pray that God will give us the grace to exercise these things lawfully and not to take it beyond what it actually is or below what it actually is. May the Lord give us grace to make the changes in our homes and to have the right ideas in our minds for those who are not even married so that when you are into marriage you have the right concept of what it is. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for educating us and teaching us these things. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to exercise the right authority in marriage, both as men and as women, not to go beyond or below our God-given rights. I pray, Father, that you also forgive us. For the times where we have made unreasonable demands, and there are some who have led their husbands or their wives into trouble, there are people in prison now with their husbands because of things that they did. They did not exercise their individuality, like Achan's wife. They are condemned with their husbands. Lord, I pray you help wives to understand this and to stand in their independence, even at the risk of the displeasure of the husband doing what the will of the Lord says I pray also that you give the husbands the mind to be like Christ help us O oh Lord all men who are listening that we should have that mind of Christ that would nourish and cherish the wife that would give himself for the wife that he may present her without spot or wrinkle or any such thing help us Lord to have this elevated concept of marriage to the glory of your holy name in Jesus name I great prayed. Amen